Hello and welcome to Front Page Radio with your host, international author, broadcaster, and journalist Dan Wooding, the founder of Assist Ministries and the Assist News Service. Dan, who was born in Nigeria of British missionary parents, was raised in England and later worked for some of Great Britain's largest newspapers. He has been a journalist covering the world for some 47 years now with a focus on persecuted Christians and missions. And now, here's Dan Wooding with today's guest. Welcome to today's program and once again I'm speaking to you from North Wales in the United Kingdom and I have with me a very special guest. He's a very well-known actor here in Great Britain. His name is Christopher Lee Power. Tell us, Christopher, just a few of the programs you've been in, TV and movies. Just want to go back there, um, Dan. Um, it's great being here in, in this bungalow. Um, Christopher Lee Power is interesting because when I was born, my dad decided to name me after Count Dracula. <laughs> so the Christopher Lee. But when I went to British Equity, I said, look, can I have my name? And that's like the union. Th- that's the union here. I said, can I use my name? And they said, no. So I had to use Christopher Eaton for, for a period of time. And then my wife said to me, why are you doing that? Why don't you use your full name? So I went back to Equity and I said, look, I'd like to use my name. And they said, okay, you can use your name if you put a dash between the Lee and the power. So that's, that's how I did it. When I left drama school in 1998, I trained at Richmond Drama School, went to RADA and Lee Strasberg, which came to London. And by the way, what does RADA stand for? Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. So I did some night, night courses there. I, I, I left there and I started up doing small roles, very small roles in the soaps, like Coronation Street, Brookside, Hollyoaks, parts where CID, the parent, the patient. And then after that, I started graduating to getting some good principal roles in Shakespeare, playing uh, uh, the very big roles. And then as the years went on, God opened up doors for me to do things like uh, films and television dramas. And so they're the kind of things I've been... Uh, as regards to film, I did a, a film a few years ago called For Love's Sake, and that won three awards. That went out from here to America. That was good. I played head of social services, kind of a villain, if you like, because uh, people often say you look like a villain. <laughs> and that was Colin Jarvis, and that was a good film to do. <laughs> well, let's go back to your early life, Christopher, because you are what I call a miracle person. You've had an extraordinarily difficult early life and um, you've been in and out of remand centers and prison and yet God has rescued you and used you. But take us back. For many people, they remember the song Ferry Cross the Mersey <laughs> and you were at the other end of the ferry on the other side from Liverpool. Yeah, my grandma was born in Dublin and they came over and settled in Liverpool. So my dad was born in Liverpool and then he came over to Wirral. My life story begins in Rock Ferry, which is a, a suburb of Birkenhead. Uh, and actually the singer Duffy sung about Rock Ferry because her grandparents lived in Rock Ferry. But for us, uh, the family, we had a traumatic beginning in life. My mum had lost loads of children in childbirth uh, and that, that destroyed her life. And my dad had spent 18 years in and out of Borstal's, 
approved schools and prisons for things that he won't really go into um, and for me personally the big thing was the murder and it all happened one night when my mum and dad were out my big sister was looking after us and my dad came to see how we were getting on when he got to the door this married couple came in started fighting knives were pulled out my dad was stabbed and his friend was murdered it was very traumatic and it haunted my dad for many many years he didn't even want to talk about it my mum was uh, devastated and I think that really had an impact upon her life as well as the years went on because she suffered terribly with anxiety and panic, panic attacks so the murder happened it was a shock in Rock Ferry but you know at that time I was diagnosed with hyperactivity speech problems lack of coordination and I was sent away to a children's hospital where I was put in a restraint jacket and this angered my parents and my dad being the loving dad he is wanted to survive you know um, he wanted to do things for his family and he would go out and do things to, to, to help us but when he found out about this he arrived with a Stanley knife went in <laughs> cut me free <laughs> took me home in the car the social services were called the police were called and there was a battle that went on but thank God my family won the battle and I was allowed to stay at home so that is the beginning of life for me mm. as a child and it, pretty, it, pretty, it was something that went on for a long time pretty traumatic for any child and uh, then I understand you got involved in sort of minor crimes sniffing glue this sort of stuff tell us about that because of the hyperactivity and people didn't understand hyperactivity in that that era I was very frustrated at school I found it very difficult to spell I found it difficult to communicate and there was a, an anger within me and there's a reason for this Dan I was angry because I remember going to Liverpool to see my cousins and I, I wasn't happy an argument broke out with my uncle and family so I made my way back home when I got home all the glass in the door had been broken and when I went inside my mum was lying on the, the settee and my dad was nowhere to be seen and I ran out and my cousin came running after me threw her arms around me and said listen I've got something to tell you your dad is in prison and what had happened is that my dad being drunk and remember I love my dad but when he had a few to drink he was a different person he had got angry and the police were doing some checks on the estate and they'd knocked at my dad's house my dad being drunk told him to move away and he, he got a plastic shotgun put it through the letterbox and told him to move and then 13 police officers came the door was broken uh, he was arrested and sadly he'd, he was beaten up and I got very angry with the police and I got angry with anyone who represented authority including teachers including security guards so at school growing up as a teenager not only was I frustrated with my education but if a teacher upset me I would lash out and I think the teachers misunderstood me I, I, I think they, they kind of saw me as a rebellious child and, and I suppose in a way part of that was right but 
most of it was due to the frustration that I was uh, finding it difficult to understand education, writing, reading, standing up and communicating. So you're right. But by the time I got to uh, 11, I decided, well, I need to do something with my life. I'm fed up. And I noticed two boys going into an old derelict building. And I followed them. And they were sniffing um, glue. And so I wanted to experiment. And I did. But what people don't understand is they are oblivious to the dangers of glue sniffing. They are also oblivious to the, the damage it does not only on you, but the impact it has upon your family. And you're right, I became addicted to glue sniffing. I found it was was a kind of way out of escaping my problems. And if someone upset me, I would go off and sniff glue. It damaged me terribly. I became very anemic. I lost a lot of weight and I became an angry person. It was changing my personality. But you don't know that until people start pointing you out and people like my friends, my family, started keeping their distance. And they were worried for me. And in the end, I had to go to the, the, the doctors and he gave me some tablets to help to wean me off the glue sniffing. But during that time, it's the 1980s and things were happening. We had a revolution uh, with the music industry. Uh, things were changing. We, we went from disco to the new romantics. We had bands like The Specials, Madness, Duran uh, Duran. And fashion was changing. And so I kind of followed that. And so the hairstyle, <laughs> the clothing, I started to dress like my, you know, those people who were um, in the music industry. But my friends who were very loyal to me, I grew up in, uh, sorry, grew up with uh, the people I went to school with on the estate. We were very loyal. We noticed that other groups were starting up in Birkenhead in the 1980s and they were walking around saying, we want to protect our territory. Like gangs, really. Uh, yeah, yes. But we, we, we weren't. We were just a group of friends. And we decided, well, this has to stop. We can't have that group coming onto our territory. So what we did, we decided, well, why don't we call ourselves something? At that time, we had films like The Warriors and The Wanderers, and they had jackets with their names on the back, so my friend was sitting in an old cafe with the Space Invader machine and they said, we need to think of a name. And uh, a vicar went past on the bike. We'll call ourselves the vicars. <laughs> so we got the name, the vicars, on the back of our jackets and that's, the, that's how we lived for a, a few years. You know, yes, I have to admit, we went to the park. We'd have the odd fight, but we didn't go around with shotguns. We weren't like the gang culture of today that doesn't mean I, I condone what we did it was wrong but in between that I, I think I, I was becoming very uh, what's the word I was locking myself away a lot again I was becoming angry again and so I turned back to alcohol I turned back to uh, the, the kind of solvents and it destroyed my life and one day I <laughs> I was going to an underage disco that means that if you're under 18 you can go to a disco but it's in a nightclub and I was coming out and I had my dad's shoes on and I was singing songs with my friends and the police stopped me and said you need to come here I said no I'm going home I've got my dad's shoes on they got hold of me 
and pushed me against the big billboard and I retaliated and because of that I was sent to uh, a young offenders institute for that crime and I, I spent some time there uh, it's called a short sharp shock it's actually mm. like boot camp uh-huh. yeah. so that, that's really how I ended up uh, in 1983 I think it was going to a detention centre uh, was that a pretty terrible experience for you? The experience was, people have this concept that things like that should deter you from crime. And part of it did, because because the regime was based on the army, it disciplined you. And when you left, you became kind of um, more disciplined, you respected your peers, you respected people, you were disciplined in, in doing work. But it didn't, it didn't last long because I, I, I went out and I needed to feed my drug addiction again, which was glue and gas, which I fell back into. And I, uh, sadly, I was caught again and sent to a remand prison. And I was 17 years old and I, I was lying on the bunk bed in the prison cell. And I said, God, I can't cope anymore. With the alcohol, I'd self-harmed. Uh, I was very anemic again because of the glue sniffing and so I cried out to God and said you need to help and I went back to court and I was allowed bail and from that point on at the age of 17 I turned my life around I'd, I'd met a friend called Jean-Pierre who was an old friend from school he took me to a graveyard and he just shared about Christianity and I said I'm, I'm in a desperate situation if I invite God into my life Will he sort my life out? And I said, Jean, I'd love to be an actor. <laughs> will he help? And Jean-Pierre said, he will. Well, by the way, why, why a graveyard? Because where my group of friends would hang out in, in Birkenhead, there was a graveyard next to the, 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 where we hung out. Okay. And that's why we went in there, because there was a huge cross. So he, he started to share with you about following Christ or yeah. how, how did I mean what was the wording he talked about revelation and he talked about that Christ was coming back and I didn't understand uh, all this and I and I just said to him well can he change me can he help me because at that time I was having terrible headaches I was having palpitations I was uh, uh, in a very low place of my life and I just realized then Let's do it. Let, let, let's give God a go. It, there was no thunder and lightning. It wasn't, you know, an audible voice. For I knew then, within me, something had happened. And from that moment on, I'd, I'd turned 18 then, got to my 18th birthday. I felt there was a love for people. Whereas in the past, I was an angry person because of what I went through. I felt I wanted to respect people. I wanted to love people. The most amazing thing happened. Suddenly, I had a desire to go to college to do a basic foundation in acting. And when I arrived, a man, we, we would get the coach to college, he came up to me, his name was Ron, very well spoken, very well dressed, and he sat next to me, and he started sharing about his life. He told me he was a Christian. And we started talking, and in my head... I said, that's what I want to do. I want to be an actor. And Rom befriended me. And he took me under his wing. And I had a very northern accent. Nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of my roots. 
I, I didn't have much knowledge of life or life skills. And as the years went on, he took me to galleries. He took me to museums. He taught me about uh, life skills. We'd go to the park and he'd have me read out poetry or, or, or from a children's book. He refined my voice. And as the years went on, I started to develop my skills as an actor. I started to change my voice. And then I was ready. And I went off to drama school. And um, thank God, at the age of 28, I finally got into drama school. Can you remember your very first role? My first role um, um, was uh, was pantomime. And I played a dame. And then <laughs> I played um, one of the famous five in a play by Enid Blyton. But my first major role was for me when I came out to drama school. I, 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 as I mentioned, I did all the soaps. Uh, playing uh, was was uh, for love's sake. That was a great film role for me, playing Colin Jarvis. Uh, but apart from that, my my major stage roles were uh, The Winter's Tale by Shakespeare, um, Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, I, I, many many roles uh, in Shakespeare. Macbeth. Uh, people say, oh, don't say that, but I, I'm not suspicious, so that's okay. <laughs> so yes, I, I've gone on to do lots of good stuff, and I'm a working actor at the moment. Um, Dan and it's it's very tough when you're out there certainly from a Christian perspective because for me I like to be salt and light in an industry that's very precarious and, 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 and it's very tough uh, and for me I like to pray about every role but what I do is I ask myself first of all we have to hold the mirror up to nature and we have to kind of reflect life but I say this I say if I play a gritty role what is the message that I'm giving to society what it what what is the message i'm saying to an audience and and that message could be about don't go down that path because when you look at the bible the bible wasn't sanitized we get gritty stuff in the old testament and if we were to dramatize the bible someone has to play those characters sure but I, i'm very careful i don't like to do gratuitous stuff but i'm very careful what i do for, for many people who work in, in acting, in movies, in journalism, it's very difficult at times to keep your faith, to be encouraged because of all the temptations around you and this sort of thing. And many years ago, a group called the Art Center Group in Britain was founded uh, to help people. I was the uh, founder member of that. I ran the journalism group. But I know you're also a member of the Art Center Group. Has that been a help for you? Absolutely. When I was training in London, London was a very difficult time for me. I remember going there on the coach and in my diary I put um, the, a new journey begins and I remember crying. I was very lonely. But in 1999, um, just before I was going to finish off at RADA, I came across the Art Centre Group and joined. And they've been a great support to me. I was meeting up with them in London, talking to them. I was also um, getting emails and sharing my heart, sharing my prayer requests. And I'm still with them. And there's hundreds and hundreds of people from all different disciplines with the Art Centre Group. And they've been a great source of 
uh, encouragement, but also information. And I think we need that in this day and age. Certainly when you are, rightly so, when you're in the mainstream profession, there are roles that you are going to be challenged with. And sadly, that there are also people out there who go to certain churches that have a different perspective on, on that. And it's just nice to be able to go to the art centre group and say, look, I'm thinking of doing, I don't know, um, a drama for ITV. Uh, this is the role. Can you pray about it? And and and, and I think that's important. We, we need it. And I think it's right that we should be out there because, you know, God wants people in different uh, professions. And I think if we don't go out, how are we going to be salt and light? Salt is very important because salt preserves. Salt adds taste. And if we are to be like salt, then we do that it, it, symbolically in in a human way by by being there for them being a listening ear um, and also you have to work and survive i've got a family got bills to pay um so yes i mean, I, I i i i love doing stuff um which have a christian um theme uh now but i i'm i'm kind of open to doing christian films christian radio christian television and also mainstream stuff now we we have one thing in common <laughs> we've both got a screenplay that has been written about our life story and uh, mine at the moment is with a hollywood agent and yours is now going through this long yeah, and frustrating yeah. system tell us about the the idea for the for the movie yeah very briefly i wrote my book in 2008 called breaking free from the street to the stage with john hunt publishers and a few years ago, I was doing King Arthur in pantomime, and I just had the idea, and people had mentioned it, for it to become a film, uh, so that we can and, and inspire young people that no matter what circumstances you come from or come, uh, you're in, you can do something positive with your life. So at the moment, we're in the process of getting a writer to refine or work on the screenplay. Um, we're looking for funding. We've, we've been to a lot of places. And we're hoping that, God willing, one day that will be on, on the big screen and it'll be nice to see that. And I think autobiographies and, and films about life stories are important because they're real. Uh, is it going to be called Breaking Free? No, no. We, we, the working title at the moment is called Free to Be. Uh, but we're working on a title for that and we're in talks with the writers and we'll see where that goes. But um, it's a great journey and hopefully one that we can fulfill. Now, would you play yourself? No, I'm going to make sure I'm in the film. I mean, to be honest, I'd love to play Ron, the tutor, because he had an impact upon my life and was a great mentor. Um, I wouldn't play my dad either, although it's been suggested, or myself. I'd like to play something different. Now, finally, what I take from your story... And we've been speaking with Christopher Lee Power. That's hyphenated. It is hyphenated with a dash <laughs> between the Lee and Power. What I find amazing is that he, everything conspired against you to get into acting. And there's probably people listening to this that feel God can't use whatever talent I have. What would you say to them? I, I would say this, when you look at the Bible, and you, you don't have to be a Christian to, to appreciate this, but in life in general, I think we, we, we look at God as a creative God. And I believe that that creativity is in all of us, and we need to understand that. So wherever you are, there is an element of creativity. You have gifts and talents. Is to never give up, is to, is to do something positive with your life, because with the right support, you can achieve something.
Because if you have that vision, because the Bible says without vision we perish, but if you have that vision, is go for it. Get the support. Step out. It says in the Bible about casting your bread on the water. And that's important for me because if we're just sitting at home doing nothing, then are we going to move forward? Yes, miracles happen and, and God does work within, within that. But I think for me, it's just getting out and saying, he's right. If Christopher can do it, you have to remember, think about the background I came from in the 70s and 80s. And that's important because it's a long, long time ago. I changed my life in 1986 and um, I've been a Christian ever since. And God has done miracle after miracle after miracle. Let me tell you one thing before I go and I'll leave on this. Sitting in my bedroom in London, I had no money to finish off my um, last term at drama school. I was ready to give up. It was raining. And I said, I'm not doing this. I'm going. The, the phone rang. It was someone from, I think, the uh, some media place who was Christian. To this day, I've never met the man. But that man, on that night, gave me food, an envelope full of money, hmm. and he paid for the last term. And I give praise to God for that. And because of that, I was able to graduate with an Oxford diploma. Huh. So go for it. And finally, if people want to get more information, where do they go? I'm, I'm all over the Internet, Christopher Lee Power. You type that in. But you can contact me either by typing in the Power Foundation, FYP.com, or Christopher.FTB at gmail.com but I guarantee if you type in Christopher Lee Power um, you'll come across lots of stuff and lots of contact information well Christopher thank you so much for being on the program we've uh, corresponded for years we've finally met and I just want to thank you for being on the show You have been listening to Front Page Radio with international journalist Dan Wooding. If you would like a free subscription to the Assist News service, log on to www.assistnews.net. And if you would like to write to Dan, send an email to assistnews at aol.com. Tune in again for another edition of Front Page Radio on this same station. Much.